Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to do a little, a little tag team uh, uh, teaching today. And uh, last week, we uh, unpacked our vision for 2024. When I say our vision, it's not our vision, it's our church's vision of uh, what God has laid on our heart. And so last week, we, um, we talked about um, this idea of principles and how God is a God of principles. And a lot of times we can pray for things in our life, um, but really if you look back in the rearview mirror of your journey of following God and the answers and the things that have happened in your life, more of those happened because you followed godly principles than God just kind of showed up out of the middle of nowhere and answered a prayer. And so we looked at uh, some of the principles um, related to God's word, but especially in Luke chapter five, uh, a principle that Jesus talked about uh, that we unpacked last week was this idea of new wine and old wineskins. And what Jesus said in Luke five was that you can't take new wine and put it into old wineskins because the old wineskins would burst and both you would lose the new wine and the wineskin. And so uh, if you missed last week, um, definitely tune in, take a look at that. Um, but kind of that is kind of the, the summary. The idea of last week was that um, in order for us to walk into all that God has for us, we've got to be willing to walk out of some things. Yeah. And, um, and so one of the things that we've got to be willing to walk out of in 2024 if we're gonna experience the new of what God has for us is we, we kind of have to walk out of an old mindset. And that old mindset is this, this idea that, that we can do life alone. This idea that um, we look at, at church more as an event rather than a community of people that we're coming alongside of, that, that uh, a community of people that are imperfect but we all have a desire to become more like Jesus. And so we kind of looked at that. We, we uh, talked a little bit about this funnel uh, that you'll see up here on the screens. That's kind of a visual of what God's laid on our heart uh, going into this year. And it's really moving from friends to family. Yeah. Like friends being, uh, we kind of look at church as an event. We kind of the deepest that we go in the community, uh, the fellowship is, is, is services every once in a while, and how God's really challenging us as a church that if we want to experience the new of what he has, that we've got to grow closer to him. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think sometimes we want the new that God has for us, but we don't really lean into drawing closer to God. Yeah who is the God of the new. Yeah. And so the idea is that as we grow closer to God, we begin to walk more in the newness of what he has for us. And so um, today what we wanna do is we wanna talk about um, really the, the, the one thing, the strategy that Satan uses to keep us from moving from friends to family. 
to keep us from kind of leaning into this, this process of church not being just an event, but it is, it is a family of people that, that we're going to do life with. And when we, when we say friends to family, it's not that we don't want to have friends, but we're really using friends as more of a surface level relationship. That the, the in-depth of that family relationship is where we can grow closer to the Lord and closer to each other, the body of Christ. So today's title, do you want to, do you want to give it to him? So um, today's title is Satan's Strategy for Settling. And understanding this, that if the Lord desires for us to become the family of God, that the enemy has put in place things to keep us, to hinder us from going deeper into that walk. Yeah, so we just, uh, just a heads up, it's gonna be a little uncomfortable, but we're gonna make it, yeah. right? Because if Satan's got a strategy, then that means that we're kind of used to that strategy. And what we wanna do is we wanna expose what that strategy is so that we can lean into all that God has for us. And, and I love that about our church. We're not afraid to tackle the tough topics. We try to laugh a little bit about it as we, as we go along. But really, honestly, the world is tough. Life is tough. And so as the body of believers, if we can recognize and identify those tough things, then we can start to overcome those things. But let's start this morning with prayer. So if you wouldn't mind, let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, that your word is life-giving and life-changing. So may we not just be hearers of your word, may we accomplish what you set before us. Lord, I ask today that you would help us to focus in on who you are and your plan for us, that we would have a life that would thrive and be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's a little uh, Bible study tip for you. So um, learn this back in school, but in studying the Bible, one of the things that we can do to kind of wrap our head around God's desire for things is to look at what's called the law of first mention. And what that means is, is you go back to um, the beginning. You go back to the first time that that God spoke a word, the first time that God shared a, a, a phrase in, in the Bible or a principle in the Bible. And, and it's important because what you will see is you'll see that throughout the Bible, that whatever that principle or phrase is, it's weaved throughout the Old Testament. It's weaved into the New Testament because it is at God's heart for whatever that thing is. And so today, as we kind of step into this topic, what we want to do is we want to go back and we want to understand really how God created us to be able to thrive in life, to not just settle, right? That's, that's Satan's desire for all of our lives. Like, like he, could, he, could really, he could really care less like if we're settling. Um, he just doesn't want us thriving, yeah. right? Like we may not be in deep sin in our life, but if we're settling, Satan's totally cool with that. If we're living a life outside of God's purpose and intent yeah. for us, that's all Satan cares for. Because when we thrive, we are a witness and example to other people that they can thrive. 
And the enemy does not want that. And so what we're going to do is let's open up our Bibles. Let's, if you have your smartphones, if you don't, that's fine. It'll be up on the screens. But we're going to start at the very beginning. Let's go to the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2. And, and as we look at this, we're going to see in Genesis chapter 1, there's the story of creation. God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything that we see. And so then he created trees and he created animals. And then he created man. And, and the Lord said, let us make man in our image. And so God formed man and he breathed his breath into the lungs of man and life came into mankind. And so we see this, that as man began to walk through the garden and look through the garden, the Lord said, you have dominion over everything that you see. Take care of the trees. You have dominion over the animals. Name the animals. You can do all of these things except in the middle of the garden, there were two trees. And the Lord said, you see the tree of life? You can eat from that one. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And at that moment, we see God's principles come in. I love that you say that because God doesn't have a bunch of rules for us. He has principles. He has a purpose behind when he says, don't touch, and it's okay. It's not that he's trying to keep us from something good. He's trying to keep us from something bad. And if we view God's principles as rules, we won't understand the reason why and the reason behind he says what he says. We miss his heart. We miss it mm -hmm. completely. And so in this moment, Adam sees there's two trees and I can touch this. I can eat of this one, but I can't eat of that one. And so what ends up happening? They end up, what, what God says is, listen, if you're going to eat of this tree, he says this phrase, that you will surely die, right? And he's not speaking as much about physical death as he is speaking of spiritual death. And so we see this like Genesis 1 creation. We see Genesis 2, the creation of man and the garden and the setup for mankind of, of listen, you really want to go this direction with your life, right? And uh, if you've read the Bible at all, you may even not be a church person and you know what happens next. They don't really listen to God. But I want us to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, because we recognize something in this verse that I think is really important for us not to miss. Here's what it says Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone that I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, when you look at verse 18, right, it's easy for us to just make this assumption that God is specifically talking about creating a wife, right? And specifically looking at this idea, this word of helper as a spouse. But we know that not to be the case because if it was, there would have been principles and laws throughout Scripture that required everybody to be married, right? And that is not a requirement. And so what we understand about this is that this is what God is specifically talking about is really life in general, that it's not good for us to be alone in life in general. And, and Paul talks about this. He says he would rather us not get married. But if you must, go ahead and get married. And so we've got to understand. And so for the, those of you single 
people out there and that you're praying for a spouse and you're praying for your husband or for your wife. We love that. We're going to agree with you. We are better as husband and wife and, and God created you know us to be together. But I also understand that he can't be my only person. I can't be his only helper, that we have to branch out around that and be able to find those people that come around side of us. So watch, watch what happens here. So in Genesis chapter one, um, God starts to create things. And every time that he creates things, he backs away from it, right? And you may remember this. He says, this is good, good right? So he, so he like creates waterfall, right? And he backs away and he's like, yeah, this is good. Like, this is good. He creates the ocean, right? And the fishing and all that stuff. He's like, yeah, I did a good job. This is, this is good. He creates the heavens, the sky, the stars. He's like, yeah, this, this is good. But, but in verse 18, he creates Adam and Adam's all by himself. And what does he say? He says, this is not good. He says, it's not good that Adam would be all by himself. And, and so what does God then do? He, he creates a helper. And this word helper in the original language isn't quite what you and I would naturally think. Like we would naturally just make this assumption that he's talking about a spouse and it's a help meet kind of thing. But this word helper in the original language means an ally. It means a rescuer. It's, it's somebody that, that drops everything. When, when we're in trouble, it's somebody that drops everything and comes to our rescue. So God says this in verse 18. He's like, listen, all this stuff that I created is good, but it's not good that we would do life alone. And so I'm going to create, I'm going I'm to put people in our lives that can be an ally can be a rescuer that can be what we call around here like the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Yeah. friends, like the yes. people when all hell comes against our family, our lives, or losing a job, whatever it is, they are people in our lives that will drop everything. Yeah. They'll take the pajamas off, they'll put the clothes on, they'll jump in the car, they'll show up at your front door. Those kind of people in our life, but what we see in the story is that sin enters. Then sin enters. So the purpose, right, before all that, that utopia is that community, that helper, and then sin enters. And so what we see in this moment, when sin enters the world, everything else comes to chaos. The thing that the Lord saw at the beginning of creation, he's like, this is all chaos, I'm going to speak to it. And then we bring, don't we just have a way of bringing chaos back into our life. God fixes it all, right? He makes it all go good. And then we make the chaos. Sin and enters. And I want to point out yeah. here with this part, notice the first part is that God creates the perfect community within Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. And then Satan comes in and says, I can't let them live this way because they're going to thrive in this wholeness, right? And so he comes in and creates temptation they fall to temptation, sin enters, and then what we're going to see is what all of our natural response is to the sin in our life. We're going to see that in Genesis chapter 3. So Genesis chapter 3, they eat the fruit. 
that they're not supposed to eat. And verse seven says, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. So let's recognize this because listen, the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve is the same way we respond to sin thousands of years later. We go from, they went from walking with God to hiding from God. What do we do? We go from being in the presence of the Lord, coming into church, and then we sin, and we feel shame, and so we want to cover it up. We may lie about it. We may say, no, no, that isn't. We, we cover it, and then we begin to hide. And so understanding that what happened in the garden is the same way we respond to it today. That when we sin, we want to hide it. Because of the shame that we feel. Because of the shame that we feel. We want to cover it. But that hiding and that covering looks different in each of our lives. Yeah, I know my personal kind of journey, the way that when when I had sin, which still have sin in my life, but, but before I came to know Jesus when I was 20 years old, like the way that I was hiding the sin and the shame in my life was through drugs and, and alcohol. And, and we can do that through like abusing medications and stuff. That can be a way that we, that we kind of cover the sin and the shame in our life. Like another way that we can cover um, sin and shame in our life is through achievement. Like the, the pursuit of awards and promotion and accolades and all those things can be a way that we are, are, are covering that shame in our life. Um, one thing for me that, that I do that I, I started to become aware of a couple years ago is that I use humor as a way to, as a way to, to cover. Like when things, when I get into environments or conversations that for me are starting to get a little too awkward or vulnerable or whatever it is, um, I don't know if any of you are like this or not, but like I have to interject like a sarcastic statement or something funny in order to break the moment because it's just getting a little bit too uneasy for me. And, and, and we I can tell use him that. every time it's not funny. Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that's not funny. Um, another, one of the ways that I cover, and so this might, and we're going to give you guys some examples because we want you to understand that there are different ways that we hide this part of our life. And one of the ways that I do that is, is honestly, I emotionally disconnect. We can physically disconnect. We can stop going to church. We can stop being in our small group. We, we can kind of move away because things get a little tough. But for me, I don't stop going, but emotionally I can disconnect. And so I pull away. I tend to protect myself. And so if I feel at the point where I'm not able to um, I feel like I'm going to be seen in my sin, I will pull away. And another way is um, our personalities, where we say, well, that's just the way that I am. That's just who I am. That's just the way that I am. And we believe that God uniquely designs us in our personality, but he also needs to redeem our personality. And so um, we can operate in our personality and, and, and further the cause of Christ. But if we use it as a hide, we say, that's just the way that I am. Another way is we just get really busy. There are tons of distractions in this world. 
And so a way that we hide, a way that we disconnect, a way that we cover is that we just stay busy. We stay busy in social media, going to sports, being involved in a club, getting involved in, you know, different activities. Maybe it's at school or at work and we just stay busy. So we don't have to think about, we don't have to deal with, we don't have to process through the shame, the conviction, the way that we feel, or even letting go of that sin. So for for us today, one of the things that we're going to ask, and we're going to ask you this question is how do we break that cycle? That cycle that we saw back at the garden, the sin turns to shame, turns to covering, turns to hiding. How do we break that cycle in our lives so we can thrive in an everyday life? Because the opposite of covering and the opposite of hiding is becoming vulnerable. Why did you even bring that word? I know, listen. Nobody wants to hear that listen, word in church. We, listen, we told you guys Vulnerable. it was going to be a little tough today <laughs> because transparency is not the way we want to be. There are filters for every picture you put up. <laughs> like, you want to cover it? Just filter it. There is a filter. There is a cover. There is a way to hide every imperfection. And that is not how God intended us to live. He intended us to be transparent and real and vulnerable. We're going to share some things. And Ryan always says this, you will hear us share more about our failures than our successes because we want you to understand we are humans walking in clay feet, falling and stumbling, that we are going through this together because if we think that, oh, they've got it all together, then we think there's no hope for me. But there is hope for us because all of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need the blood of Christ to cover our sins. And in this moment, for us to be able to break that cycle, we've got to become vulnerable. And vulnerability, as we were talking about it this week, it is the willingness to do something with no guarantee. And it's the willingness to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. Being vulnerable means you're going to take a step and you don't know what it's going to look like on the other end. But you're still willing to do it because that breaks the cycle of our lives staying hidden in the sin. Yeah, so I want to show you this on the screen with with the funnel. So when we hide, when we cover and we hide, we naturally stay towards the top end of that funnel. And that's just human nature. That's because we can be, it's, it's almost like being, we're choosing to be around the things of God, but never really being in the things of God. Does that make sense? And so we can, we can look at like checking off a couple boxes you know, of church a month or coming to services, even if it's every month or like, like we had talked, like even religion can be one of the, the, the easiest uh, ways for us to cover because we can do a lot of things for God and never really have to address our own issues, right? And everybody around us thinks that everything is going great in our life and we can cover and we can hide and all that kind of stuff behind religion. And so, in order for us to move closer to God, we have to navigate through the context of relationships because that's what God created. Yeah. 
Like even if you look at God himself, he is a triune God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. Like even God himself needs community, right? And he has built us to thrive in community. And so the only way that we're going to be able to move close to God and to experience that community and to experience the newness of what God wants to do in our life is to lean into this idea of vulnerability. See, Satan's strategy is to get us to constantly cover and hide. And we're gonna keep coming back to that because we want you to see that connection, to cover and hide. Like any time in your life, like three months from now, a year from now, four years from now, when you sin and you begin to feel the shame, right? And then you begin to process through this idea of the covering and the hiding. You have to have a light bulb go off in your mind and recognize that that is Satan's strategy to pull you out of community to force you to settle. And you've got to be willing in that moment to say no, even though everything inside of my human nature wants to withdraw and cover, I'm going to lean in and to be vulnerable. And this is why, and I got this up on the screens, we can't experience biblical community without vulnerability. And if we don't experience biblical community, we can't thrive. We can't grow. And so vulnerability is essential. Take a look at this uh, quote. And uh, then we want to jump into um, three steps to vulnerability. But vulnerability isn't winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and to be seen when we have no control over the outcome. That's not easy. Most of us want control. We want to know what the outcome is going to be before we take a step. And vulnerability is us taking a step before we know what the outcome is going to be says, vulnerability isn't weakness, it's our greatest measure of courage. And so how do we do that? Like, how do we lean into this idea of vulnerability so that we can begin to walk in biblical community and to thrive in our relationship with God and just our lives in general? And so we're going to give you three steps just to kind of start the process of vulnerability. And let me tell you what one of those steps isn't. One of those steps isn't catching everybody that you see and telling them all your stuff and then putting it on every social media platform that you have. Hello. That's just being a little extra. Okay, so that's not what vulnerability is because that's surface level still. I'm gonna gonna give you all of this but I don't want anything, I don't need any help, I don't want, I'm just gonna share it all and then move on. The first step in vulnerability is acknowledge that we cannot thrive alone. We have to go back to the beginning. God created man and woman. God created this community to do life together. God said it is not good for man to be alone. The first thing we have to do is say, I cannot do this alone. Vulnerability says, I can't thrive by myself. And, and honestly, the thing that keeps us from doing that is a, another word that's not good. I don't like this word either. So I'm just going to give you another one. It's pride. Yep. The pride of our life that says, I don't need anybody. 
I don't, I don't, I got hurt before I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. And the opposite of that is, is a, a false humility or, or another way to look at pride is I'm unworthy yeah. of having any help. And that's, and you would think, well, that's not pride, but it is because it's still about us. Yeah. See, pride is about us. And so when we say that we don't need any help, we're just saying, Lord, you're, the way you planned it, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Look at, uh, pro- look at this when you get home, uh, Proverbs 16, 18. And this is from the Message Bible. It's pretty funny. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego. <laughs> Do you like the sound effects? I felt, like, oh, I felt like we needed a sound Did effect you? there to kind of break things up. Oh, I don't know why that came out. I don't out. know either. It just like the five-year-old in me just like seeped out It's all the sudden. humor. Babe, it's the humor. <laughs> you felt the tension yes. and you're like, we need to make this funny. All right. Okay. I need another joke Okay, right so now. no, no, you're good. Okay, so first the pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And I love this verse. James chapter five, verse 16. Listen, friends, Listen. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing and freedom comes from Christ and he uses each other. He uses the ability that I can't hide. I can't keep my sin quiet. I have to share, confess your sins, not just to God, but to one another. So that way you can be healed you can be free. You can be complete back to the way the Lord desires for us to be. Yeah, the second one is a willingness to be uncomfortable. Yes, exciting. The willingness to be uncomfortable. Last week we talked about, you remember Luke chapter five and um, Jesus goes through that that portion of scripture um, talking about the new wine and the old wineskins. And then he comes to this, and I can't remember if it's verse 38 or something like that, but he comes to this back part of it, and he says, some of you, like some of you are saying that the old is just fine, that the old is just fine. And a lot of times, a lot of times we do that because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We want to kind of live in in this world where we can anticipate things and predict things and anything outside of that we're not really all that interested in. But what all of us have to understand is that growth is always going to be uncomfortable. Always. Always going to be uncomfortable. For me, I'm on this journey this year, like every year. Um, I set some goals, some goals for, you know, ministry and work and some goals that are personal. And one of the personal goals for me, just to try to start becoming a better version of myself is to, to navigate uh, counseling this year. And, uh, and so I'm going to be driving down uh, three times this year to Tampa and spending an entire day with a counselor there, just talking about some of the pain, some of the trauma that I've gone through as a kid with my, you know, my story and then some of the stuff through, um, you know, through ministry because the easy thing for me to do would be to feel the shame or the hurt of that and to then try to cover it and to disconnect. And my tendency is to push down and to push down and to push down to try not to feel it. 
And so I want to become the best version of myself this year. I want to experience all that God has for me. And so I'm leaning into this this uncomfortableness in order to be able to experience that. And for some of you, like guys in the room, like some of you, that uncomfortableness might be the one-day event in a couple weeks. Like you might be in this season of life where it's, it's kind of like it's not easy for you to come on a Sunday, but it's easier for you to kind of blend in. But the idea of doing something else, the idea of, of uh, being here on a Friday night with other guys in a service, for you might be the leaning into the uncomfortableness. Maybe, maybe you feel like you don't know anybody or, or just kind of don't know what that's going to be like. I would really challenge you that if you want to be the best version of yourself, ladies, if you're married to a guy, it, they should not be in your house on Friday, January the 26th. I mean, come on. Like we're feeding them barbecue. We got games. We got hangout service. Like they should not be in your house. Like say, go get uncomfortable, quit crying, quit coming up with the covering and go be with your guys. Right. We got to lean into being uncomfortable. So the first thing is acknowledging that you can't do life alone. The second one is being willing to be uncomfortable. And the third thing is this, we have to embrace the messy. If we walk into these doors and we expect sunshine and rainbows and our church is great. And now listen, our church is wonderful. I love our church, but our church is still messed up. You know why? Because we all here. Yep. <laughs> If what do they say? It's, it became it's a, imperfect it, a moment. Yeah. I was going to say tr- you walked in, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. yeah uh, thank you. Humor. There uncomfortable. You um, <laughs> but we have to embrace the messy. Yeah. You know, for me being a, a pastor's kid and, and I, I've been in the church and in church work, I'm 47 for 47 years. I was a week old, you know, when I came to my first church service and my dad was the pastor of my mom was the the music pastor. And so my entire life has been around church. And for me, can can I tell you, last Sunday really kind of pushed me out. I've actually, um, Ryan and I believe in Christian counseling. It is not something that is just, this is the first time he's ever done. We have done this throughout 25 years of marriage. We go together to a counselor. We have been separate to a counselor. It is so important for us to have that voice in our life that is biblical, that can help us walk through the pain of our life. And so for me, I've, I've experienced some messy. I've experienced some pain of church, some church hurt. And God is calling me to go from surface to a deeper level. And and last week when you said this, Ryan, it was so impactful. It, It, Literally, for me, for 2024, my, I want the Lord to just continually remind me that church is not an event. He said this last week. He said, church is not an event. This is our gathering. Our gathering on Sunday morning, this is an event. We come in here and we get encouraged, but this is not church. Church is a community of imperfect people following after Jesus. And friends, it gets messy. 
There's hurt and there's pain. There's moments in our vulnerability when we will put ourselves out there and we will be let down. There will be moments that when we put ourselves out there that we, the relationship will be severed. Whenever we try to connect with somebody or we try to do something, we can't give up because church is messy and we have to be willing in that vulnerable place to embrace the messy. You know, we have three uh, amazing kids. Uh, two are on the stage this morning. Our, our son is 20 and he's in Tampa um, serving at a, at a friend's church down there. He, he joined an internship. And I can honestly say one of the most amazing things that we have as a family is that we have given our kids an open door. That whatever they need to share, there is no shame. You can share it. Now listen, if we find out, because Holy Spirit speaks to me, if I find out from the Holy Spirit before you told me, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> but if you come to us and you share what you're struggling with, what you're walking through, what you're dealing with. Listen, there is no shame. There is freedom in that. And we have to be willing as a body of believers to embrace the messy, to allow ourselves to be offended and not take up an offense. Oh, I'm gonna say that again. In church, you have to be willing to be offended without taking up an offense. That we can allow this community to grow. That we can understand that we can't judge each other, but instead we look at each other with compassion and with love and encouragement that we can all walk through this life together and win the family members and the friends that are outside these doors. And I don't know... Maybe that's you today. Maybe today you're struggling with being vulnerable. That you're in that top level. Church is an event. You show up and you feel better, but then you walk out the doors and it doesn't change. Scripture tells us, confess your sins one to another and then you'll be healed. The change happens when we stop hiding. The change happens when we become vulnerable and transparent. And listen, I know we, we've gone over our time, but in this moment, we're gonna worship the Lord for just a second. But I want us to pray for those of us, and I'm, I'm gonna put myself in this too, because there have been moments where I have retreated because of hurt. I've retreated because I've messed up and I've sinned and I've retreated and I've pulled away and the Lord is calling not just you guys, all of us to lean in and become more vulnerable and real and transparent this year. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.